Welcome to the Money Mindset Podcast, where you will find the inspiration and motivation you need to manage your money better so you can stress less and live the life you want. I'm Ashley Patrick with Budgets Made Easy, and today I'm talking to Chris Peach from The Money Peach. Uh, We are going to talk about how he and his wife paid off $52,000 in debt in just seven months. Now he helps people create budgets, save money, and pay off their debt. This interview is a lot of fun, but before we jump into it, be sure to go get your debt snowball worksheet and spreadsheet and checklist so that you can get started today. It's called the Debt Bundle at budgetsmadeeasy.com slash debt dash bundle. It is free, but it will help you get started on your debt snowball so that you can pay off your debt too and stress less and truly live the life that you want. So please welcome Chris to the podcast. Hey, Chris, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be hanging out with you today. (laughs) I'm so happy to talk with you. Um, I really wanted to talk to you about your debt payoff story because it's pretty crazy, pretty amazing. Um, But before we jump into that, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So I'm Chris Peach. I'm the founder of Money Peach. And I like to tell people I am uh, the guy that helps everyday people remove all that yucky stress and fear of money by just showing them a simple plan how to save more, make more, and keep more of their money. And this all started by not going and getting a doctorate in money. It, I got a PhD in stupid, meaning <laughs> I had to go deeply into debt and learn how to climb my way out to be able to go and help other people. So that was the plan I had, and it worked. <laughs> so that's what brought us here today, and, um, and we'll kind of share that story. I'll share that story of you know what happened and how we got out of it, and uh, really you know, budgets made easy. The key thing that we did was we got on a plan, a budget. So yeah. Absolutely. Yes. We have similar stories. So I paid off $45,000 in 17 months, not quite as fast as you, but still got there. So, you know, I I made a lot of dumb mistakes too. No finance degree here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So what was kind of, what was your aha moment that you knew something had to give that you needed to pay off the set, change your finances, you know, start making changes? So our aha moment was an actual moment. It was February, 2011. Um, At the time we had a 10 month old at home. That's that's our only child. And my wife, she was a television news anchor here in Phoenix. So I was a full-time firefighter. So together we're, we're, we have a pretty good income between the two of us. Um, Our only expense that we really have to make sure we make is formula and diapers each month. Mm -hmm. And so But up to that point, we had done some dumb things with money. We had overspent. Uh, We were the yes couple. We said yes to everything. So if our neighbors were like, hey, we're going on a cruise. Do you want to go? The answer was yes. Hey, we're going out to dinner. The answer was yes. We wanted to be fun. We wanted everybody Mm -hmm. to like us. So we just kept saying yes, 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 yes. And it was September, or I'm sorry, it was February 2011. My wife's at the grocery store. She's been on air now for about six or seven years. So everywhere she goes, people recognize her. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, you know, there's only like three news stations here in Phoenix and she's the anchor on one of them. So everywhere she goes, people recognize her. She's at the grocery store, cart full of groceries. She has her 10 month old with her and she's going through and she gets to the checkout. People are like, Hey, Andrea, I watch you every day. You know, she, you know, that, that was, that was her life. And so she gets to the checkout and they bag all the groceries up. They put it in the grocery cart. And so she hands over one of our credit cards. And for some reason it didn't work. And she's like, no big deal. So hands over another credit card and the lady swipes it a couple of times. And you know, it must've been magnetic problem. So she hands over the debit card and does it work? So my wife says, you know what? I have money in the car. I'll be right back. 
So she, she runs, picks up our son and runs out into the car with no intention to coming back because we don't have any freaking money. And that's oh, when okay. she calls me and I'm at the fire station and I'm thinking everything's great. You know, we're the, we're the yes couple. Everybody likes us because we say yes to everything. And we have, we live in a nice house. And we drive nice cars and we have nice clothes and nice this and that. And she calls me and she is not happy. I don't know what the rating is on this podcast, but I'll just say she was pissed. Yeah. And so what that said is that was our moment. That was our aha moment because I'm sitting there going, we're fine. We're fine. And I remember going online the next morning, we sat down together and we looked it all over and we had overdrafted our checking account multiple times. We had maxed out our credit cards. We had student loans. We had car loans. Um, Everything in our life was leveraged. And I remember sitting there and we added it all up. This is the first time we've ever done anything like this. And we've been married at the time, three years. And we were $52,000 in debt, completely broke, living paycheck to paycheck and didn't have a plan. Yet we, make great, we had great incomes. So that was our aha moment. That was it. It was sitting there on a Wednesday, not being able to get paid until Friday, sitting there going, okay, we have 48 hours. Like we can't do anything. We're not going to be able to get gas. We're not going to be able to get groceries. And we're way too proud to ask for help from mom and dad. So that was our aha moment. Like how did we get here? Wow. So it sounds like you guys were kind of on the same page from the beginning then. No. No. (laughs) And if I told you that, if I made you guys believe that, I apologize. So yes. So we, um, we went broke in February of 2011 and immediately, you know, I'm looking at the finances. I'm looking at the credit card statements and I'm seeing a lot of charges for target and target and target. And I'll be honest with you. I don't shop really at target that much. You know, I I really don't. And so I'm looking at this and I'm like, what is your deal here, Andrea? What, what are you spending all this money at Target for? This is why we're broke. I mean, it's all your fault. And so she's like, hand me over this. She goes, let me see the statements. And she's going through and she's like, wow, you spent $800 at Home Depot last month. What did you build? Because I don't see anything. <laughs> so for 60 days from about the middle of February to almost the end of April, we, did not, we didn't do anything except for blame each other. Oh, so, man. We didn't actually start getting on a plan until May 1st was like our official day. And so, yeah, for two and a half months, all we did was point the finger at each other and tell each other that, you know, you're the problem, you're the problem. So we, we got on the same page, but it wasn't like, a lot of people think like, oh, wow, that's so nice that you and your wife just immediately got on the same page. Absolutely not. It was World War III in our house for the, about 60 days trying to figure out who, who was at fault, which was both of us, and what are we going to do? And we didn't have a plan. So how did you guys get on the same page then? So this is one of the biggest questions I get is like, how do I get my spouse on board? Mm -hmm. And I will tell you from my perspective, and I think she would agree with me at some point. um, But what I did is I realized I was, I was getting nowhere when I get just kept telling her like, here's what you need to do. You need to get on a budget and you need to get this under control and you need to start, you know, spending with cash and you need to do this, that, and this. And I realized that all of these things I was telling her to do were my plans. And I, I wasn't a professional with money at the time because look where I got us. So I realized the thing I had to do is instead of telling her, I had to start asking her. And so for me, I would say, Andrea, like, what do you think we should do to get out of this? And the, the first answer was, I don't know. I don't know. But when, I, when she realized that I was no longer telling her what to do, I was asking for her help. That was the key. Don't tell somebody what to do. Ask them for their help, especially if it's their money too. Mm-hmm. Ask them for their help. And all of a sudden, the plan that I was trying to force down her throat was now a plan that she was coming up with on her own 
and she actually made some improvements to it. So that was how we finally got on the same page. It took us 60 days. I don't think people listening should wait 60 to 75 days. There's a better option, right? Get this, get on the same plan quicker and do that by asking for help, not telling them what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, it can take 60 days, you know, just to start making the changes in your mind and your mindset that you need to make a change. So obviously you knew you needed to, but you also had to, you know, come up with a plan, work on getting on the same page. So, you know, it's definitely not an overnight thing either. No, I mean, cause there's emotions involved. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're, when you're sitting there and you make good money and you're flat broke and all your friends think you're doing great, your mom and dad think you're doing great. The whole world thinks you're doing great because mm -hmm. you've put that lifestyle out there for the world to see like, Hey, look at me. I'm awesome. And all of a sudden you have this dirty little secret that you're a mess and you're broke. And at the same time, during that moment, we thought we were the only ones. I mean, this is well before we ever mm -hmm. created money peach and did a podcast and interviewed people like myself. We didn't know. We thought everybody had it figured out and we're sitting here on the island as stupid and we're alone and no one's helping us and we don't have a plan. So during that moment, it's not like we're going to come together instantly. But one of the things that, that I found, and I'm sure you could agree with this, is there are so many people out there like us that are mm -hmm. struggling. This is not taught in schools. You know, personal finance is not taught. You know where it's taught? The school of hard knocks, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, could, you graduate you can graduate high school at 18 years old and you can easily walk in and get $100,000 in student loan debt because you have a heartbeat, mm -hmm. right? So it's really easy to go into debt and it's really easy to make mistakes with money because we were never taught how. Imagine like, just think about this. If you have kids, right, and you never taught them how to do anything, then could you really get upset with them if they didn't know how to do anything? I mean, I think about that all the time. I'm like, we are, you know, we're just like children when it comes to finances. We're never taught how, so we try to figure it out on our own which it does work. I mean, I'm living proof. It does work, but there's so much better. There's a better plan that speeds that process up instead yes. of waiting till your age 30, you could do that a much quicker. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, so it took you guys about 60 days to get on the same, same page, kind of come up with a plan. So what was your plan? Like, how did you do this? I remember hearing a guy on a radio say what gets measured gets managed. And that's a quote that they used in the business world. And so they were talking about, you know, whatever gets me measured gets managed. So, you know, if you are, you know, creating, you know, for example, if you have a um, like Ford, Ford, Ford Motor Company or Toyota, they have like a assembly line. So every point on the assembly line gets measured. And if it gets measured, then it can get managed. Meaning if you can find out where there's a glitch or where they're, they're making too much or not enough and they can manage that, then it helps everything else after that. And I remember thinking, wow, that makes a lot of sense we're not measuring any of our finances. So how could we manage any of it? It's like, think about this. You have a rent or mortgage. Maybe you have HOA, you have groceries, you have your cell phone bill, you have internet, you have cable, you have Hulu, you have Netflix, you know, you have insurance, you have all these different things going in your life or going out in your life as far as expenses. And it's kind of crazy to think, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just manage it all in my head. So we're going to manage like 50 different things in our head in real time that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you like what gets measured gets managed. So our first plan was, I told my wife, let's create a budget. And you might've, she might've thought I just walked in and dropped the F word. Right? It was the <laughs> B word. And she was like, no, we're not doing a B word. So we call it a cash flow plan, but it's the same thing. And so, um, yeah, that's another thing is like, you know, how did you get your spouse on board? Don't call it a budget. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> 
So we got on a cash flow plan and that was eye opening because I didn't create the plan. We created it together. And I, um, I was just actually sharing this with, we have a, uh, a class that we shared this with. And so our first one was just done on a white piece of paper. I took a picture of it, so I still have it. And we were negative $947 for the month. So this was, we did the first one May. So I created this, this, this budget and it was going to solve all our problems. I looked at it and I said, well, this sucks because yeah. we're, we're spending $947 more than that what's coming in. Man. So how did you start to make the changes so that you weren't negative anymore? Well, there's this thing they call fifth grade math. And <laughs> so, so it's very simple. You just look at it and say, okay, we are negative 947, which means we either have to raise our income $947 or we have to cut back or we can do both. So we decided on option three, we said, okay, we're going to do both. We're going to raise our income and we're going to cut back on needs versus wants. Mm -hmm. So we need to have a mortgage over our, we need to have a roof over our head. We need to keep the lights on. We need to get groceries. We don't need to go to Starbucks, right? We want to go to Starbucks, but we need. So we just started going through, okay, do we need, do we need to pay our utility bill? Yes. Do we need to pay the gas bill? Yes. Do we need fuel for our cars? Yes. Do we need to go out to eat with our friends on Thursday? No. Do we need to go on vacation? No. So we just started saying, okay, that's a want, that's a need. And when we wiped out all of our wants, Without raising our income, we already had enough money now to get to cover our bills. And then on top of that, we said, okay, we're going to raise our income. And that extra income was used to knock out our debt. That's awesome. So is, did it take um, time to kind of get there? Or were you guys like, once you got to that point of being on the same page and working together, you guys were just all in. And I mean, obviously you paid it off really fast. So <laughs> I figure you just jumped right into it. So it's like the whole synergistic thing, you know, one plus one equals 10. If you could, if you and your wife or you and your spouse or you and your accountability partner, whoever you want to do it. And even if you're alone, I mean, it's actually, I think it's almost easier if you're alone because you skip the two months of fighting of what yeah. you do. <laughs> and uh, so um, for us, what we did is it became, we almost gamified it. So, and there's actually studies now that showing there's, I don't know if you see a lot of companies out there that are gamifying everything, meaning they're turning whatever into a game. I even noticed that in like on a tangent here, I, like I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old and they're all their homework is gamified, meaning it turns into a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we really, we, we gamified, we, I will say this, we gamified it before gamifying was cool. <laughs> so the first thing I did is I went and I had this thing printed off at Kinko's and it was this giant thermometer and I, it was on paper and I hung it on our refrigerator. And every time we would, you know, make a little dent towards our debt, I would color it in. So every day we can look at it and we could say, oh my gosh, like we have a long way to go, but we actually did something good today with our money. So that was the way we gamified it. One thing I will recommend is um, if you're going to have friends come over, make sure you're okay with them seeing a giant thermometer yeah. in the refrigerator. <laughs> so we actually, uh, we resized it and we put it in our medicine cabinet because that was getting a little awkward when people were like, hey, look at you. So <laughs> yeah, I had mine in my closet. <laughs> yeah. Great idea. I don't know why the, fri the refrigerator just seemed like, yeah. We, well, it was people, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People would come over and be like, man, you're a mess. So um, <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was interesting. So we would, uh, we would, we moved it. So we, we gamified it there, but what happened was is every single month, you know, we would, we would get more intense and it wasn't mm -hmm. me telling my wife, Hey, you need to get more intense. It was like, how can we, what can we do this month? So I'll give you an example in, in April, 
my wife, uh, six months earlier, had bought a brand spanking new Acura RDX. And this is like when backup cameras first came out and navigation, the maps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is way before, t- this is eight years ago. So, I mean, this is, for us, this was like huge deal. We had a freaking GPS map in our car. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we would just sit there in the parking lot and we put it in reverse, not to back up, just so we could see what was behind us. Because <laughs> we thought we were cool. So, when I told my wife, like, look, this is a, you know, a $40,000 loan we have on this car. We cannot keep this car anymore. She thought like I had just ruined her life. She's like, are you kidding me? I have an assigned parking spot at the news station. They drive BMWs. They drive Acuras. They drive Mercedes. What do you expect me to drive? And I was like, I think you should drive something that costs like $2,000. And she was like, nope, not doing it. So that was in end of April. We, you know, we had, I remember we had that conversation. We sold that car in July. And the reason why is, you know, in April, I started working a bunch of overtime for the fire department. And when I was in college, I cleaned pools. So my wife drove me door to door in her own neighborhood. And I would literally walk up to the door, um, knock on the door. And I had like a little one minute pitch and I would try to hustle and get their pool account. So I was doing like one out of 10 would say yes. So I built up this little pool business in the first month. And my wife was like becoming this expert at eBay. Now this is before OfferUp and Craigslist was still a little sketchy because you still had to go meet people. Um, mm-hmm. She would do that every once in a while, but it was just sketchy because she was on TV and it's just weird. Yeah. So she was doing everything on eBay. That was like, and eBay had just updated their app. So like you could take a picture through the app and it would like automatically upload. It was amazing. So it was good timing for us. So we were doing eBay and selling everything. So first she started selling her jeans, which she didn't have $10 jeans. They were like literally $250 jeans. For those of you listening, there was a brand called Seven for All Mankind. And so we literally made sure those jeans were for all mankind and we just sold them (laughs) to everyone. So sunglasses, purses. I mean, we had an expensive lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. she had expensive things she could sell. So she was like literally getting rid of things like crazy. And it, it surprised me how much money she was getting for some of these things. She was selling, I was picking up um, extra work at the fire department. I was cleaning pools. I mean, we were doing like everything we could. We, we cut off cable. We sold our furniture. That was kind of weird. And so, but we had these two big ticket items and it was uh, my truck and it was her car. And so my truck's a little bit older. And I remember thinking like, okay, I could, my truck I'll be worn upside down in. So I'm like, I'm just going to throw all the debt or all the extra money at this car and pay off the truck. And that will have a truck without a payment. But my wife's car was still new. And we started learning a lot about new cars, meaning a new car loses 10% of its value when you get it home. So from dealership to driveway, if Mm -hmm. you have a $40,000 car, you just lost $4,000. Okay. Think about that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it loses about 60 to 70% in those first four years. And I was like, holy cow, this is a terrible plan for us. And so we, um, it was in July, we actually got rid of the car. And I remember thinking like, wow, what are our mind totally transformed from April where getting rid of the car was like anarchy to July where it was like her idea, like, all right, let's get rid of it. And she drove a, you know, I would call it a beater, but she drove an older car and it wasn't a huge deal. Like it, it worked out. Okay. I mean, it wasn't ideal, but here's what happened is so many people were like, Andrea, your husband's nuts. I cannot <laughs> believe you're driving this. And then it, it, then it literally turned into, oh my gosh, we're struggling. And the fact that you were able to get rid of your car, I'm, I'm going to do it too. Mm-hmm. So we actually like, it almost like we opened the door to say, yeah, you can do this too. We're going to get laughed at and point, people are going to point at us and say we're crazy. 
And then it all of a sudden it turned into a good idea, not overnight. And then when people started telling us like, this is really cool, then it was like off to the races. Okay, what else can we sell? You know, I don't like this couch, let's sell this. I don't like these pictures on the wall, let's sell this. And it just became this crazy out of control, I wouldn't call it out of control, but crazy like where we were just every month getting more radical. I remember my parents like, we had heard through the grapevine that my mom and dad said that like, oh, Chris and Andrea joined a, a money cult. And I was like, <laughs> wow, is it that bad? Like that's, that's where we were. <laughs> Uh, so what were some of the um, temporary sacrifices that you were able to do besides, you know, selling everything like um, to that were worth the long-term gains? Because, you know, sometimes people don't want to make the, you know, stop going to Starbucks or stop shopping um, to get debt-free and make the long-term changes that they need. You know, everything's temporary. And if you just keep that in mind, like when you make a change, it's not going to be for the rest of your life. So if you just like for us, you know, that's a simple one. I think everybody knows that one, you know, $7 mm -hmm. for a cup of coffee is just really not normal, but we call it normal because there's a Starbucks on every corner. Why is there a Starbucks on every corner? It's because we're paying $7 for a cup of yeah, coffee. Yeah, exactly. I mean, okay. It's, <laughs> it's pretty obvious. So when, I mean, that was, a, yeah, that was one that we were like, you know what? Okay. We'll cut out Starbucks. And it, that wasn't the, that wasn't the one that hurt. For us, it was like my wife's on television and we turned off cable. And even though she was on local television and we didn't need cable, it was just kind of that embarrassing moment mm -hmm. when people would come over and uh, I had mounted an HD antenna on my roof. Now, this is before like Hulu Live and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I had a cord. I have a two-story house. So we had a cord running down the two-story house. Uh, it looked really ugly. And it just <laughs> I, I like drilled a hole in the back of the, the wall where the TV was and just plugged it right in. And so that was how we watched TV for a couple of years. And so that was kind of weird um, for my wife. You know, the, the, I think the hardest thing was showing up to the news station and it wasn't in a, you know, name brand Acura or BMW um, before the, actually before the Acura, she had a BMW as well. So we had the BMW and then she got, she, she didn't get rid of, she traded in the Beamer for an Acura, which is just really good on our part. Right. Really good move. So <laughs> But getting rid of, you know, that like when we did that, that now let the whole world know, right? Because mm -hmm. your car is kind of a status symbol. Right. So we can look at somebody driving a seven series Beamer and we can either, we can either make our assumption like, man, they're killing it or man, like I can't believe they're spending that much. But either way, there's an assumption to be made. Well, when you're driving a, you know, a beater, um, it's pretty obvious like, Okay. She's not driving that beater because it's awesome. She's driving it because there's problems. Mm -hmm. So when you go and make those changes, I think, you know, when, when you make changes inside your house, the people who are going to notice that you don't have cable are your friends and they should love you anyway, but they're going to come over and see that. So that's going to be embarrassing. But when you're, you know, pulling into your news station and you got this, you know, this piece of crap car, it's pretty obvious that, you know, okay, now we're, t now we're telling the world. And mm -hmm. so that was, that was kind of a, you know, the, that, I guess that was the moment that was like for us, that was just a tough sacrifice because we felt it emotionally. Yeah. So how do you think about money differently now? So you've, you're already paying off debt. You know, you have a successful business. Like, have you kind of started to, you know, buy the nice cars again and nice things again? Like, how do you think about money differently now? Sure. So, I mean, I'm a, like, as far as a nice car thing, and maybe my mind will change, but since 2011, I mean, we're, we don't have any debt. So, I mean, we, we still have our mortgage, but I mean, we're hoping in the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, if things go well, we should be able to wipe it out completely. Awesome. And which is just crazy to think, you know, that, you know, we had a 30 year mortgage in 2009 and now, you know, we're 10 years later and we're thinking about actually paying it off. Like, how did that happen? 
And so, but going back to your question is, I, I always think about this is I don't want to put uh, things, I don't want to put money in things that go down in value, especially that go down in value like a rock. Mm-hmm. And so I was actually, it's kind of funny is, so I'm still a firefighter, still a full-time firefighter. And so I promoted a captain about a year ago. So on a, on a fire truck, there's four positions and there's the captain, there's the engineer, he drives the truck and there's two firefighters in the back. And so, um, you know, the captain is basically like the, I guess you call him the CEO of engine, whatever number. So mm-hmm. let's say that I'm on engine 48. And so the other day, um, I get to the fire station and I've been talking about this at, at you know, fire stations and guys kind of know my story. And it's funny is like, it's kind of become cool. Like you see a lot of guys driving these, you know, these, these beat, beaters big, or big red trucks. <laughs> you know, well, they, they, all, used to. they all have the big red trucks. <laughs> yeah, they used to. Right. But I, I kind of, you know, I had this, I have a podcast and you know, a lot of them listen to it. So that's we, we good. Have, that's we awesome. Have a, we have a really big department. There's, I mean, there's about 16, 1700 of us. So it's funny is like, Oh, you know, a couple of years ago I was like, Oh, I'm the money guy. And now it's like, you know, it's kind of getting teased, but now it's like, Hey, this stuff's really cool. I'm, you know, making some changes. So the crazy thing was, is, you know, when you get out of the fire department, you graduate the Academy. I want to say it's like 42,000 a year is what you're starting at. Mm-hmm. And it's 42, 45,000 a year. So the other day I'm working at a station with, there's four of us. And so i I pull up in a 2011 Kia Sorento with like 200,000 miles on it. And then the engineer, he's the drives the fire truck. He pulls up with like a 2005 Ford F-150 with like 200,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the firefighter, he's probably been on the fire department for like 20 years. He shows up like in another Ford F-150 from like 2010, right? So all of these vehicles, you know, if you're doing the math in your head, they're they're all worth about $9,000 or less. Yeah. <laughs> and then the brand new guy at the uh-huh. Academy making 42,000, he shows up in a $50,000 Ford F-150 platinum edition, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you could tell right away, like he was confused. Like, wait a second. Why does, <laughs> like, why does the captain drive this piece of crap? And why does these guys who have been around for so long and they promoted and they're making, you know, better money than I am. So he, uh, I, you know, and I never beat somebody up for making those choices because I made the same choice. When, yeah, exactly. You know, when Me I was too. Off. So, <laughs> We're sitting there at dinner and he goes, hey, can I ask you guys a question? We're like, sure. And he goes, why is it that I make the least amount of money here, but my truck is literally worth twice as much as your guys's? And I said, no, no, no. Your truck's worth five times more than ours, you know? Yeah. And that's when we had that conversation. Like, look, we shifted our thinking that we would rather put more money in our retirement accounts that go up in value than put money in things that go down in value like a rock. And, you know, he was like, well, what do you mean? So I said, hey, let's do this. So we went on to, you know, uh, Kelly Blue Book and we looked up the make and model of his truck that he got an amazing deal on, right? Because everybody gets right. an amazing deal. Yeah, exactly. And it made him sick to see that like, how's my truck only worth that much? I just bought it. And I'm like, exactly. You are in the bank's plan. You are in the car dealership's plan, meaning you are going to always be upside down in it. So now you are a slave to them and you can come back in and then you don't have the money to buy a new one. So you can roll it into another loan and mm-hmm. I told him that, you know, car dealerships and anything where they make their money isn't on merchandise. They make their money on financing. They become yep. a bank. So, you know, that's why you can go anywhere and you can put anything on, fi- on finance, anything. I mean, you can go to Best Buy and everything there, right? Everything you can finance. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not mad at Best Buy, but 
I think this is where we lack education. So the way, the biggest thing that we've made changes on is now that we don't have any debt, like we spend money on things that we like to do. Like we like to travel, we like to do those things. And we sacrificed pretty hard for that year, um, you know, to get out of debt so we could do these things. But I, I, re, I will refuse for a long time. And this might change someday, but I refuse to like, it would just make me sick to go and buy a brand new vehicle. This is just us. And know that as soon as I get it home, it's lost, you know, 10%. Like if my investments lost 10% overnight, this would be all over the news. People would be running around the streets screaming, you know, like, oh, that's, I, mean, I hadn't thought out. about it like that. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. You know, so that, that's just, that was one of the big things. I think, you know, if there's one big ticket item, I would say cars, right? I mean, Starbucks is not, it's going to, it's going to make you feel like you're, 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 I'm making a change, but you're not making a giant change. Like you do if you're willing to just give up new cars, new cars are just, I mean, don't do it. Cause it'll make you sick, but I'm going to tell you, do it, go online and look up what's your new car worth now. And you are going to be like, wait a second, that doesn't make sense. And it's, that's the way it works. It's, it's tough. I think it's awesome that you're setting a good example and, you know, explaining to them kind of like, how to manage their money better because in the long term that's really going to benefit them because I mean I know and you know that you know a lot of firemen work several jobs because you know their schedule and everything so I think it's awesome that you're spreading that message to people that need it. You know and, and I use firemen as an example because that was just a story I had that just happened recently but it's not I mean what I've learned is it's it's I'm telling you, it's rarely an income problem. We've been, you know, we've had money peach for four years. We've, we have a program that we've had over a thousand families go through and we're doing a live um, coaching program right now where we have live people um, inside a zoom room with us. And here's the, the truth is, is like, we have, you know, we've had attorneys and doctors and surgeons mm -hmm. go through our program. We have a surgeon right now going through our program and they have an incredible income. But when we look over their cash flow plans, remember, I can't say the word budget, but when yeah. we look over their budget. <laughs> We, we look at it and we're like, man, they have like percentage wise, they have the same exact issue as the teacher making 40,000 or the firefighter making, you know, 42 coming out of the academy. Mm -hmm. It's so it's never an income. I mean, I would say in the four years, I think twice I've seen an income problem twice out of, you know, over a thousand people that we've worked with. So it's, it's crazy to think that, you know, for the longest time, I always said, if we just make more money, all of our problems will go away. I promise you, if you just make more money, the problems just get bigger. That's mm -hmm. all that happens. Exactly. Um, it, it goes back to what gets measured gets managed. And so, you know, the easy thing to do is like, just think, oh, if I just make more money. Well, there's people out there making really good money and they're still really broke. So, right. Cause they just have more to spend. So, you know, the, <laughs> it lifestyle creep. Exactly. Uh, what is your favorite nonfiction book? So, I'm, my, my goal is to always be reading a book and always be listening to a book. So I'm always doing both. And sometimes I read and I listen to the same one. So, but there's, there's one book that I always go back to over and over again. I've had it for a few years and I'm actually just listening to it again on audible and it's Gary Keller's the one thing. I don't know if you've heard of that book. Mm -hmm. Gary Keller is the founder of Keller Williams. And so basically I, I will, I'll give you the cliff notes version of the book, but you know, I'm guilty of this is when I try to do all the things I do nothing. And so in this book, it challenges you to say, okay, what's the one thing I'm going to work on? And then I take it to the next level or in the book, it tells you, all right, what's the one thing I'm going to do today 
And then it takes you to the next level. What is the one thing that I'm going to do in the next hour that's going to move me in the direction that I want to move in? And you can apply this to anything in life. You can apply it to business, which I do, but you can apply it to getting out of debt. Okay, what's the one thing that I'm willing to do today? Not what's the 10 things, what's the one thing? You know what? I am going to stop going out to eat for lunch today. And you do that one powerful thing and it snowballs into the next thing. So it's an amazing book. It's been around for a long time, but I would say if you, and it's in, if you like listening to book, it's, you know, a lot of audible books are like 16 hours long. This one's five hours. So it's oh, yeah, very, that's quicker. <laughs> it's very manageable. So I would say if you're going to read a nonfiction book, read Gary Keller's The One Thing. Awesome. Thank you. And do you have any last words of wisdom? I mean, you've given us a lot already. I would say this is if you're in debt or you're trying to come up with a plan or you're trying to create more savings, don't do, this is kind of what Gary Keller would say, but don't do all the things. Do, do one thing at a time. And you can go ahead and make a list of all the things you want to do. And I think that's great. Create goals for yourself, but don't try to do them all at once. And I should be, you know, speaking to myself on this one because I am guilty of this. It's easy to get, you know, what you have like a, like, I'm, oh, I'm excited over here. I'm excited over there. I'm excited about this thing. You know, like you have like new idea syndrome happens all the time. And so mm-hmm. what I would say is just focus on one thing. There's a, a podcast I listen to, um, John Lee Dumas. And so one of the things he says over and over again is he wants you to be an inch wide and a mile deep in your thinking. And so many of us are a mile wide and an inch deep and we don't make any headway. So find out what's the one thing I'm going to focus on. Is it, that, is it that debt that's been there since college? Okay, focus on that with everything you have and get rid of it. Is it whatever it might be. So focus on one thing at a time. And I promise you that one thing will become the next thing because you will finish the goal quicker when you focus on that one thing at a time. Yes, that's awesome. I need to remember that at times too. It seems like I just have a million things going on. So even just without or not just money problems, it's just, you know, you've got all these ideas to just focus on one thing. That's great. Um, And where can people find you? So if you just go on Google and type in money peach will pop up, but it's our our site is moneypeach.com. But if you don't want to remember that, just type in money peach or Chris peach and we're the first thing that pops up. And you have a podcast as well, right? Yep. It's all right there. So yeah, it's the Money Peach podcast. Everything is Money Peach. Um, My last name is Chris Peach. And when I started the site, I wanted to use money, but I guess CNN had taken money.com. So that didn't work. (laughs) And uh, so after a couple hours of going back and forth, figuring out what I was going to call it, Money Peach was available. So that's how we came up with the name. Well, it's a good name. On Instagram, you are really funny on Instagram too. So, you know, if you're on there, go follow him on Instagram as well. (laughs) <laughs> yep. I'm, I, I don't try to be that funny. So, but I guess there's, there's <laughs> moments where, uh, there's moments where comedy comes out. Instagram's like the one Avenue that I feel like it's different than our Facebook page and our Twitter account. It's kind of where I can be a little more personal mm-hmm. and I treat it more as just my, my little fun thing that I do. So, uh, we do have some fun on, on Instagram. That's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thanks. Thanks so much to Chris for being here today. And don't forget to go check him out on Instagram and check out his website. It's all the money peach. And before you go, don't forget to get your debt snowball bundle so that you can get started on paying off your debt as well. Go to budgetsmadeeasy.com slash debt dash bundle. And I will see you in the next episode.